Hi Angel, welcome to the Holistic Honey Podcast. This is your safe and soulful space to plug in and explore all things mental, emotional, energetic and spiritual well-being and healing. This is a space where self-belief, your full potential and main character energy will become your norm and non-negotiable. I'm your host, Lauren Cortazzo, a holistic counselor and a women's mindset and wellness coach and educator. I specialize in helping women like you cultivate a more conscious relationship with yourself while taming that inner critic and busy mind of yours. I help you navigate change and growing pains, get unstuck, find your groove again, and break through the blocks, fears, and limits that have been holding you back. I also help you confidently bridge the gap between where you are and where you truly want to be. This podcast is for you, the deep thinker, the soul searcher, and the cycle breaker on a mission to unlearn and reconnect with what truly lights you up, to unapologetically thrive in your own lane, and to start embodying a juicy, balanced, and soul-led life that feels damn good. I am so glad you're here, sis. Let's do this. Legends, hello. Welcome back to the new year of the Holistic Honey podcast, 2024. It kind of sounds really futuristic, like flashback to me. I don't know. I can't help but think about myself in like high school talking about the future. And if someone was like, what do you think you're going to be doing in 2024? I would probably have answered something completely differently to what I'm doing right now. But how futuristic does 2024 feel? I feel like we are so far from the lockdowns and the pandemic. Like that was four fucking years ago. How bizarre, how wild. But I wanted to do a little New Year's check-in before we get into today's episode. And can I just say, I am so excited for who we have on for today's episode I'm chatting with Erica from the Balance Theory podcast. Now, this is probably the first self-development podcast that I listened to when I started listening to podcasts just in general. And I followed along with her journey and it is such an honor and privilege to have her on the Holistic Honey podcast. So before we get into all things building better habits and creating sustainable long-term change for your year ahead... I wanted to touch base and talk about my 2024 word or the intentions that I'm kind of setting for my year ahead and the little touch point. And I guess this is going to be really, I've got two words. They're my anchor words for 2024. The first is embodiment and the second is intentionality. So I'm really leaning into these words. And again, they're they're really going to be my anchor points for the new year because Last year, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like last year was very much a little bit of a trial run, a bit of a test drive, a bit of a warm up where there was a lot of deep integration and healing and lessons and karmic cycles playing out. And a lot of, I guess, a lot of people I've spoken to, a lot of clients I've helped. It was a real deep integration period where we've had to reflect, try shed some old layers, but moving into this new year, I feel like embodiment and intentional action is a huge theme and something I encourage all of you guys to lean into. 
starting to consider what did we learn last year? What were the patterns that were playing out last year? And how can we actually step into the new and improved version of us that we are wanting to become and starting to be intentional every day with our daily actions and habits and making sure it's aligning to who we want to be and where we want to be. So to me, the word embodied or embodiment, it's just deeply rooted and connected to and in line with my values, my visions and who I am and where I want to be. So a big one for me is no more playing it safe and small, no more doubting myself, no more forcing and resisting, no more avoidance and fucking excuses, no more holding back, okay? Practicing what I preach and just being the truest embodiment and expression of it. That is what embodiment means to me and that is the energy I'm wanting to work with this year. Also just having a lifestyle a mindset and habits that actually reflect my most authentic dreams and desires. I've spoken here before about how often what we fear the most is what ends up playing out. So starting to be really intentional with making sure that my daily habits and actions align with an embodied and intentional version of me, which is a beautiful segue into today's episode. So let's get into it, gang. Happy 2024. We ain't here to fuck around. Let's find out about how to build better habits and sustain the vision that we have for ourselves. Erica, hello. Welcome to the Holistic Honey podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's my absolute pleasure, Lauren. Thanks for having me. And happy new year. How are you feeling about the new year ahead? What's the vibe on your end? Good question. I um I feel like I usually start the year with this like big energy, right? And I'm like very motivated and driven, but this year I feel like it started off a little bit slower. Um which is kind of refreshing to be honest with you. Like I just feel like it's been a little bit more of a go with the flow type entrance to the year and I've still, you know, started to do my goal setting and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's been a little bit of a slower start in saying that I have given a little bit of time to thinking about what this year looks like and the year ahead. And I have kind of like a whole goal setting system that I do. Cause in the past, what I've done is just write down my goals. And I feel like that's, that's been a way of like set and forget a lot of things. So the system itself, like takes time and reflection. So I'm kind of in the process of doing that. But the one thing or the vibe for this year, I think the word for me is like expansive. It feels like it's going to be quite an expansive year, both in personal and professional and with the podcast. So that's kind of the vibe I'm leaning into. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the word expansive. Mine's embodied for this year, but beautiful. Seems like you're already just doing huge things. I am so appreciative you're on this podcast and you've Um, come on as a guest because your podcast is probably one of the first like personal development podcasts that I discovered when I started my business. So it's lovely to connect and tell us a little bit about, I guess, yourself, the work you do and what you're passionate about. Sure. So my nine to five, some people surprised to hear this. I'm actually a corporate lawyer just because I don't, um, that's not a side of my life. I like to show off. I think, um, to be very honest with you, it was something I kind of fell into after school and uni. I wasn't like growing up hoping to be a lawyer. It was just one of those things where I applied for law, got in, studied it, and then it just kind of happens job after job after job. Um, I do enjoy law, but it's 
it's not it for me long-term. And I had this feeling a couple of years ago. And I think for anyone listening, who's studied something that they kind of have this moment of realization where they're like, oh, this isn't actually it for me. It's really daunting. And it takes quite some time to really dig beneath that. Cause you're like, if I'm not doing this, what else am I doing? And it's almost like you're starting from scratch. So this is where the, the whole thing of like your side passions come into it because it gives you the space and the safety while you have a full-time job to really just start to experiment with what you like, what you're good at, and then slowly start to build that out. So that's what I did in 2020. I started two things that year. I started the podcast, which um, I'm so grateful to hear that it was one that you tuned into that kind of helped you kickstart your journey. In like That's exactly why I started it. I felt that I just wanted to be transparent with my own journey, my own struggles, because sometimes I feel like when you want to learn from people, it's always them speaking in past tense, right? Like this is what I went through, but I more wanted to appear and come across like I'm actually going through it and I'm going to actually take you on this journey, Um, which, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing the last three years. I feel like it's grown with me. And um, that's in that same year, I was saying I started two things. The first was a podcast. The second was an e-commerce business with my best friend. So we still run that. Um, it, it's kind of self-sufficient now. And it just really started out of us. We were running boot camps for women in our community and then COVID hit. So we translated that to online, built a lot of traction. And then we thought, okay, why don't we do some e-commerce, some fitness products with this? So we've we've also been able to keep that up, which has been really nice. Um, but I think I'd say like to answer your question of what am I most passionate about, I'd say, and I think over the years, I've been able to sharpen this to the phrase sustainable success, because I feel like we see so many people being really successful in this all or nothing approach, right? You throw everything, you kind of, you're a slave to your business or your work for three, four, five years, and then you'll make it. And then you can enjoy life, right? It's this kind of like work hard now, enjoy later mentality, And I just remember having this moment where I thought to myself, like, if I can prioritize my health and my relationships, the things that actually give me so much energy, I'm going to be much more productive in what I'm doing day in and day out. And so my interest is less in, am I going to get to where I want to be and more how I'm going to get there? Because I don't want to reach. And by the way, that's not to say that people are not successful with that all or nothing approach. They absolutely are. We see it time and time again. But for me personally, and I know this resonates with a lot of people, it's about the sustainability of that success. And it's about reaching where you what you want to reach, becoming the person you want to become and not having to neglect everything else in the process. So that's kind of why the podcast is centered around balance. And that's really the cornerstone or the the foundation of it, which is really my passion and curiosity. Yeah. And I mean, the balance theory of podcast, I think I was so drawn to the word balance because like most people that might be listening, potentially yourself as well, I had a really terrible relationship with balance and it was that black or white, all or nothing um, to the point of going through regular cycles of burnout and through the process of, you know, um, coming back home to myself, working out, you know, what does balance mean to me? But hearing about what you're doing and there's a few things going on for you, I imagine that balance would be so pivotal for you. What does it mean to you living a life of balance? I think it can be summarized, although I can speak about it for probably an hour plus, I think it can be summarized in the word of priorities, right? Because I think a lot of people, 
And and first I'll say I totally agree with you. And I was definitely in that camp where even just the phrase work-life balance, it would make me already feel overwhelmed. Like I already felt stressed. I mean, we're both Italian. I have a big family at home. I'm marrying an Italian. That's another big family on both sides. You know, but by the time you go through weekly birthdays and your friends and then your personal commitments and you want to keep up your health, like it, it feels very overwhelming and it feels like you can't keep up with yourself. It's like this standard you can never reach, right? So when I say I can boil it down to the word of priorities, what that means and what that means for me today and what a balanced life looks like for me today is being clear on my priorities. And I feel the trap a lot of us fall into is we say, oh, I just, I don't have enough time, right? That's such a common pain point. It's such a common thing we all say. But the question I always throw back to people who say that, and for anyone listening, it's a good one to have a think about. If you had more time right now, how would you spend it? Mm-hmm. Because Sometimes when you don't have that clarity on what's important or how you would actually spend that time, it's it actually doesn't matter if you have more time, right? It doesn't matter if you fill it with more of the stuff you're already doing and you just have more time to squeeze everything in. That's mm-hmm. that's useless in my opinion. What's better is working out how do we optimize our time and fill it with what I call the non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about priorities, the T ones, the layer ones are our non-negotiables. And I like to think about these for anyone that likes metaphors or analogies. I like to talk about this in the sense of a garden, right? So if your health was one garden bed, your relationships were another garden bed and your fulfillment, which is your work and your hobbies and all those things that fulfill you, they were another garden bed. So you've got three. If we had to work out, okay, how do we keep all these alive at any given moment in time? It's they all need a bit of sun and water. That's like the bare essentials. We know that our gardens are going to be sustained if they have their sun and water. And so if we liken that to our own lives, it's working out what are the bare essentials for our health, for our relationships, for our fulfillment. So a really quick example, like for my health, that's eight hours of sleep, meal prepping, um, daily movement. Those are just like off the top of my head, the basic things. And the reason those things have the honor of featuring on my non-negotiables is because I know that if I neglect any of those things or I don't get in any of those things, it impacts on the way I show up every day. It impacts on the life I like to live. If I don't get enough sleep, if I'm not eating home-cooked meals, I know that that takes away from my energy. And that's why I can say for myself, those are non-negotiables, right? For someone else, it might be um, meditation or uh, taking certain supplements, you know, like everyone's going to have something different. And then for relationships, it might be one date night with my fiance. It might be, it used to be a, a weekly family meal, like a Monday night. We always used to go to my mum, my mum's place for dinner, you know, but now we can't do that. So it's a weekly FaceTime. So the non-negotiables are going to be different for every single person. And I would say, don't go overboard when you are planning these, because the idea is not to have a 15 step morning routine. That's going to give you a lot less time. It's truly working out what things are the utmost important, because when it comes to something like work or business, and we're throwing in 12 plus hour days, A, because we love what we do, or B, we've got no choice. And that's the nature of the job. You want to feel like you've still tended to your other gardens in some means and having a 20 page list of things that you need to do is not going to be useful right in that lifestyle so you need to work out what are the bare minimums the essentials the non-negotiables and that is effectively very in very quick brief terms how you find your unique balance and I really love this approach because 
it lets people think about what does balance mean to them, which I realized was a big gray area, was a question I hadn't answered for a very long time. And so I was chasing this idea of work-life balance, but I hadn't considered, well, what would that actually mean to me? Like if I was balanced, because I think the the issue a lot of us fall into is we think they have to be equal, right? We think work-life balance means that work and life have to be equal, but that's really unrealistic. Like for most of us who work full-time, work already takes up like 70% of our week. So it's practically impossible to make the areas equal. And I always make the joke, you know, I spent, let's just say for round numbers, eight hours a day at work. I wouldn't spend eight hours in the gym, even if you paid me, right? So it's not about equality. It's about working out the quality of your non-negotiables, what should be featured and protecting those at all costs. Mm. I love that you use the analogy of the garden beds because what I see through the work that I do as a coach and counsellor and when it comes, because balance is probably the biggest value for me in the work that I do, people often forget to focus on their non-negotiables and have that as almost like the anchor grounding point and they kind of get mm. that tunnel vision around, say, a certain goal they have, or they might be like, okay, it's a new year, um, a big goal I have is around fitness or health, and they start to go kind of zero to 100 with that, um, and we're kind of forgetting about tending to all of the other things to have that kind of anchor. And I feel like a big word this year, um, a lot of the clients I've been working with have been talking about wanting to um, – embrace more action but intentional action so that intentionality and that kind of coincides with the priorities right um really starting to look at what are my red flags green flags and what are my non-negotiables and how can I be intentional with the action that I'm taking because sometimes we're kind of like holy crap um I feel like I need to overcompensate and play catch up so we're doing things that aren't intentional and we get into that hustle and grind right Mm. so Talk to me about, I guess, when it comes to habits and building routines and everything, why do you feel like people often fall off the wagon? And I feel like this is really fitting for the new year as well, because there's a lot of people that are like, right, back on my bullshit, let's do this, let's kickstart something, but let's talk about the sustainable approach. Yeah, I think it really comes down to what you just said. Um, Two words again, intention, which is what you've just brought up. And I think having a, a strong why behind certain things. So let's just say someone listening is like, okay, I want to start meal prepping or going to the gym, right? Really drilling down on that why is really important for you to anchor and have meaning for that action. So for example, if you say, I want to go to the gym because I want to uh, tone up or feel stronger, right? Ask yourself why. Again, right? Why do you want to feel stronger or tone up? Is it so you can feel more confident? Is it so you can, you know, everyone has a lot of different reasons, but the the idea of this why exercise, they call it the why times five. You keep asking until you can't ask why anymore. And then you really uncover the true why. Maybe it's because I don't know, I'm going to throw out random things. You're preparing to have a child in the next five years of your life and you want to be as strong as you can be. Or maybe it's because there's been a health scare in the family and you want to look after yourself, you know, like really boil down to the actual why. And I think that really helps you bring intention to what you do because you're very aligned and clear. This gives you clarity, right? In why that thing's featuring in your life. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing this achieves is it weeds out any things you think you should be doing that aren't actually aligned for you. So, you know, everyone might be so motivated to start a fitness routine this year and they think, great, I'm going to go get a gym membership. 
because that's kind of the right thing to do, quote unquote. However, is that aligned for you, right? Like, is that what you actually want to do? Does the gym scare you? Have you do you do you feel comfortable in a gym setting? Are you going to feel empowered walking into a gym every day? Is a better approach to start with some YouTube videos at home or in a home gym setting? You know, so always thinking about your why kind of removes. Am I doing this because I think it's the right thing to do? Because it's like you know, sometimes there's a lot of societal pressure too, and we just kind of adopt what other people habits are and I think it's great to look to other people for inspiration but I think there has to be a demarcation where we're like okay is this aligned for me and is this going to work practically in my life so I think asking yourself why over and over again and weeding out like any uncomfortable feelings is important to making sure those habits are sustainable. Mm, 100%. And something I see a lot as well is we forget to look at what's actually realistic. So you said at the start, you know, usually you'd write down goals and we kind of forget about it. And I'm sure we've got like heaps of journals and diaries somewhere with a whole bunch of stuff that we've written down and kind of forgot about. (laughs) Um, But recently I've been getting back into movement and gym and starting to actually look at um, firstly being more intentional with it. But I noticed previously I had this pattern of, fixating on my previous capabilities, how I used to do it. And, you know, I Mm. used to train, I used to be able to lift this much. And I notice this is a massive block because we're fixating on how we used to do it, what we think we should do, that we forget about kind of meeting ourselves where we're at. And again, being intentional with like what's actually within our means and what's realistic. And I'm sure you've read Atomic Habits. And the thing I absolutely love um, that was spoken about is how our self-image is something that really gets in the way because we fixate on this version of ourselves and we forget it's like that compound effect of just the intentional daily um, thoughts and actions, which I absolutely love. Um, What would you say, Erica, are your non-negotiables when it comes to building better habits or non-negotiables that you see um, that really help with actually starting to kickstart that journey of being sustainable and having that long-term success? So I think what we just spoke about is a a really key pillar, kind of drilling down on your why and getting clear on that, right? I think clarity is is the thing a lot of us or in my own experience, I've personally lacked time and time again. So you almost start something, but it feels a little bit detached from you. You don't have that strong connection with it. So that's why I think identifying that why is step one is so important. I'd say step two is to think about whether you have any limiting beliefs. So if you've written uh, a goal down, right, and that involves, let's just, let's run with the gym analogy, you know, going to the gym. So the habit is going to have to be you exercising every day. When you think about doing that or when you've written down that goal, I think it's great to just reflect on how you feel about that action or that habit. So in the context of that, do you have any limiting beliefs that you're not good enough or you're not capable enough or you don't have enough education? You know, like, is there anything there that's blocking you? Because I learned this really incredible thing through doing therapy with um, a professional and she taught me some amazing things. And the thing that will always stick with me was this understanding about our conscious and our subconscious mind. So the analogy I can use here is our conscious mind is, imagine you're in a boat above water and you're you're paddling, right? 
that's the conscious mind. It's where you can see you're going, you have intentions, you have your mind fixated on where you want to go. Our subconscious acts as the undercurrent, right? And it might be going in the complete opposite way. And how that operates in practice is in the boat, you're like, yep, I'm going to the gym, I'm going this way. But if the undercurrent underneath is in opposition, and it's saying, oh, well, we're not fit enough to be in the gym, or we don't have enough education to be in the gym, or we don't know enough, or it's embarrassing, any of those kind of, any of that kind of rhetoric, then it's not on the same team. It's in conflict. And I think in over time, this shows up as self-sabotage, procrastination, um, inconsistency, things like that, because it's not aligned with what you actually think about yourself. And that doesn't mean you can't have that goal. It means there's a limiting belief that you need to process, work through, or just give a little bit of airtime, journal, anything like that. I recently, I'll be honest, I've had this experience when it comes to money lately, right? Like I consciously have these goals and these targets with finances, but deep down when I was writing them down, I had this limiting belief in terms of my ability to generate that. So before I even go and start to work my way towards my goals as an absolute priority, because I've identified that's there, I'm working on this limiting belief. So I'm gone all in on YouTube videos and I've followed people on online and really started to immerse myself in that because I know for a fact, if I ignore that feeling that I know there's a little bit of a conflict, it's going to block me later down the track, as I said, through self-sabotage, um, procrastination or um, inconsistency, right? And I want to give that goal the best chance. It's something I want, right? It's something that's very aligned for me. So I know that that's something I need to give airtime to. So for anyone listening who has that feeling, and the only way I can describe it is like you almost doubt yourself for whatever reason, whatever that reason is, you need to investigate. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the money mindset side of things because I think we see this a lot through goal setting in general and certain habits and our goals um, aligning or not with those habits and those thoughts money blocks are a huge one. And I know you said personally, that's something that you're kind of diving into and exploring yourself. Is there anything that you've kind of uncovered that has helped you kind of work through the money blocks and the money mindset a little bit better? Um, being only the second week of Jan, I'd say it's still a work in progress. But what I will say is it's interesting how your beliefs around money, and I guess this, this applies to absolutely anything, uh, really stems from beliefs you were imprinted with from a young age, either consciously or subconsciously. And of course, don't blame my parents for anything, but just by virtue of the upbringing you had, their discourse around money, their uh, conversation around wealth and wealth generation, things like that. You don't realize how much of a key uh, impact it has on you as an adult. And I think reflecting on that is just a very interesting exercise and gives you a little bit of perspective as to, you know, well, anything in life, any beliefs you have were formed that way. And it's made me both excited and nervous about one day having a family and thinking I'm going to be responsible for, you know, I mean, you never, you can never do these, these things, right. You only try your best as, as a parent, I, I assume, uh, but it's like, wow, you're you're going to be responsible for the creation of those beliefs that are going to be instilled in someone who's going to grow into an adult and then, you know, have to have the same kind of process. So, yeah, yeah that was just like kind of something I was reflecting on. I have that thought most days. <laughs> As someone who's, you know, self-aware and, you know, doing the work to break cycles and when you're conscious of that, 
um, it's hard not to think about the conscious parenting side of things. And, you know, I have these intrusive thoughts where I'm like, one way or another, I'm going to unconsciously stuff them up in their own way but you know I thought the same thing too (laughs) I thought the same thing too but you know what I do think I think if you like I've always thought to myself I'm not I'm not going to do it perfectly right but if I do it and then I identify oh I've actually made a mistake or I shouldn't have been saying this thing over and over or I shouldn't have been I don't know reprimanding in this way I think I would approach it with like openness and be like you know what I've made a mistake let's like re-talk about it together which I think, I mean, I didn't have that experience growing up. I don't, my parents never kind of turned to me and said, you know what, we actually could have done this better. Um, And that's, again, absolutely no dig at them. But I think like a part of that is also honoring your mistakes because you're not, I think aiming for perfection is just a failed kind of very stifling target. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel like it's, um, it's a generational and a, a cultural thing as well, because, when I think about a lot of things I'm having to unlearn and try reconnect with and learn, there's some things such as, and this is just an example, say emotional regulation, goal setting, um, you know, positive mindset, conflict resolution, all those things that you're kind of like, I didn't actually learn about this. This is mm. something I'm having to learn now. So, and I'm sure we can liken that to the healthy positive habits as well and being more conscious of I guess being intentional with that it's again we need to be kind to ourselves in the process because a lot of the time this isn't something that's ingrained yeah and and for some reason a lot of these key skills like emotional regulation we're not taught at school which should be a whole subject it really really should tell me about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I always think I'm like I really want to develop some sort of curriculum or program or something to start to incorporate in primary schools around mindset and mindfulness and all of this because it is so freaking important I look back at some of the things Agreed. School and I'm like the fuck am I doing about geography at the moment or <laughs> a lot of stuff that I probably didn't need but anyway <laughs> yeah I hear you I hear you and Erica, before we finish up, I would love to hear your version of your 2024 ins and outs when it comes to um, developing healthy habits, having balanced the long-term sustainable success and really embodying um, and having an expansive year. Like you said, what are your ins and outs? Okay, so I've seen this trend online and I have not <laughs> attempted to do it yet. So you're hearing it here fresh out of my brain. Hell yeah. Um, okay. Ins. Let's start with outs. Maybe that's easier. Outs is unintentional scrolling. Alcohol has been a big one. I learned last year. Um, I feel last year was the most intuitive and connected I've been with myself. And I went to Greece for my sister's wedding and, you know, the drinks were flowing left, right and center for about two weeks. And I'm not a big drinker. I mean, like, but having one or two spritzes a day consecutively at the end of that period, I was like completely unanchored from myself and it freaked me out. I was like, wow, this really undid so much of the work I did to tether myself to my soul. So like if I, yeah, alcohol is like a complete, if if it's in like an absolute no, uh, it's very, very minimal for me this year. Um, what's another out? I think giving time to people who don't give you any energy, right? Like, what for? I mean, I, I've struggled with like people pleasing in the past, but that's just like, 
I've, that's something I need to really start being more conscious of. And I think because I live in a new city and I'm meeting so many new people, um, that's a skill I need to get better at, like determining that upfront and working out what serves me. Um, that's probably it for my outs. I'd say ins would be reading. I've definitely fallen off the horse when it comes to reading, but it just gives me so much insight and inspiration. It's something I really want to keep doing this year. Um, I think more time outside for sure. That's very grounding. And I have to say, I thought moving here to Dubai would be hard because, you know, Australia is so full of beautiful nature, but we actually do have beaches here. I find the desert really grounding. So I think just spending more time outside this year is going to be important. I'd say another in, especially in terms of balance, is just being a little bit more, and I did start doing this at the end of last year, but I'm going to continue it this year, is being a little bit more intuitive and having a bit more grace when it comes to exercise. So I love doing like eight-week strength programs, but there'll be things going on where, you know, maybe I need to just tone it down and do some Pilates or do some walking. I take a little bit more of a gentle approach with my movement and not be so fixated on, but I'm doing this program, but I have to increase my weights this week and not be so like rigid. Mm -hmm. So that kind of more balanced approach to my training is something I'd like to keep going this year. Um, and the last one's actually just going with the flow a little bit. I'm definitely a control freak. And my big first test is I'm going to see if I can let my fiance plan our honeymoon without my involvement, which is giving me mild anxiety, but I'm like, girl, you got to go with the flow. Let it happen. Well, <laughs> so, um, my God, <laughs> TBA, TBA. Um, we haven't started planning yet, but, um, I'm going to see if I can be hands off unless asked to be involved, um, but going with the flow more generally, I think would just be would be beneficial for me this year too. So those are, I'd say, my ins and outs for 2024. I like that you've got the intention, but also like the action plan of like, I'm going to step back and try and not have the input. But Erica, it sounds like there's a lot of like conscious consumption that you're prioritizing, which I absolutely love. And you mentioned the movement and being a little bit more in flow and I guess intentional with maybe what your body is needing. And I feel like this is, and this is probably a whole other podcast and topic, but have you, are you someone that like tracks your cycles and kind of coincides with movement and cycles? Cause I feel like in regards to balance and movement, oh my gosh, that's been a game changer for me. Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, naturopaths and nutritionists on who really love to talk about this. And it's a topic I'm obsessed with, like learning about our cycles. Again, things we weren't like, I feel like we were talk, taught about it in school and it was spoken about in the house, but not to the level of the conversations I'm having now, even when it comes to stuff like contraceptives and how they actually work and how they impact your body. Like this has been stuff I've really enjoyed learning about. Now to answer your question, I haven't exactly um curated my training around my cycle but what I do do is in that week where I really have to like tone it down I just allow myself to do the Pilates and the walking and the yoga and not feel bad about it because my body is just like if I'm doing strength training I have to like literally half the weights and sometimes like I went through a phase where I was I would feel really like demotivated as a result so I was like I'm almost going backwards but since learning all this stuff about my cycle and actually just honoring my body and what it's doing every single month, it's just given me that grace with my body and my training. So I'm not, I, I definitely track my cycle. 
Um, but I, I'm not as disciplined in the sense where I specifically change my training style. I'm a little bit more just intuitive with how I wake up and I feel. Yeah. And I guess it's just having the awareness, right? Like even if we're not going like gung-ho with it, it's more, for me, it really coincided with like easing my inner critic because if we're so used to, like I said, you know, I used to fixate on lifting a certain amount or I used to train twice mm. a day. Um, when you start to work out where you're at in your cycle, you can capitalize on the energy. Um, yes. Regards. And other times you're like, no, I actually am being called to slow down and take it easy and flow. Maybe I'll do some yoga or Pilates. Um, super interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, it actually just feels better when you train with what your body is capable of in that moment, like pushing yourself when you need to rest is like resistance 101. Like you're just coming up in conflict with yourself, but then you have those periods where your hormones are at, at prime for like lifting and pushing yourself and being strong. And if you have a good session in those, in those that week or two, like yeah. it's amazing, it's game changing. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely feel you. Is it, so it sounds like it's something you're, um, consciously kind of doing as well right like changing your training around yeah I think since coming off the pill it's been probably it's over 12 months now probably a little bit more I've had to get really in tune with what my body's doing what it needs what it doesn't need um and obviously that coinciding with getting back into training and I've previously had a very unhealthy relationship with movement and gym and really pushing myself so now it's kind of a new era of um working with my body as opposed to against it for sure beautiful well you're on the same team so that's the best place to be yeah absolutely erica thank you so much for sharing your beautiful wisdom and energy and knowledge before we jump off how can people find you and connect with you and listen to you? Because I highly recommend for who and anyone who's listening. Thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting with you this morning. Um, you can find us on Instagram at the Balance Theory Podcast and all the links to TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all that will be in the bio. Um, but of course, if you type in the balance theory on any of those search engines, you'll find us too. But I really appreciate you asking me on this morning. We've had a beautiful conversation. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. And you have taken some little tips and tools that are going to see you taking bigger steps and strides and showing up for yourself in different ways this year. If you were wanting extra support with your mindset, your habits, your energy, and just really moving forward and stepping into the new year in a way where you're transcending your limits and just confidently taking up space, I've got some spots available in my private holistic coaching container. This is the epitome of exclusive personalized support and mentorship, and it is your opportunity to set a new standard for your life and really take your healing mindset, habits, goals, and well-being to the next level. This is really your opportunity for a complete holistic reset. So by this, I mean embracing more balance, abundance, and expansion in areas such as your habits, lifestyle, and self-care, mindset mastery and mindfulness, energetic and spiritual wellness and development, emotional and nervous system healing and regulation, 
business support, clarity and action plans and improved relationships and secure attachments. This is where we dive deep and we don't leave any stone unturned. This is the highest level of mentorship, coaching and support that I offer. And realistically, this is your chance to unlearn who you think you should be and start to unlock and become who you really are. Remember that nothing changes until you do. I will leave the link and application form in the show notes and I hope to meet you inside and be part of your 2024.